And Father, we're grateful for tonight. Um, grateful for the word, grateful that you speak and you move and ask tonight that you would do that in our hearts and minds. Whatever story we bring in here, whatever experiences, may we see them through the lenses of truth tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How are we? I'm kind of sold. That's good, man. That's all right. Um, It's midway through the semester. I get it. Uh, Hey, I'm Brandon. Uh, I get to serve as the college director. And so if we haven't met, love to connect with you afterwards. Um, It's just good to see your shining, smiling faces uh, in here tonight. And so uh, you kind of join us in a cool week. Uh, We're actually just kicked off a conference here at Redeemer that we call Send Summit. Not Sin, Send Summit. Send Summit would be a whole different deal. Um, Sin Summit is an intentional effort of churches and just a collaboration of people to come together to go, man, how can we equip and send more people? How can we plant more churches? How can we, how can we create a sending culture in our church? So you're going you're gonna to see pastors around, uh, around tonight. They've got name tags on. And so if you feel so led, man, just shake their hand and ask them their story. They'd love to share it with you. Pastors always love to talk. Um, so man, do that. Tonight, we're gonna to be jumping in back into James. And so uh, if, if you've joined us for the first time or maybe it's been a little while, uh, we've been walking through the book of James and kind of examining uh, how we're to interact with this world, both its temporary aspects, but also the eternal things that, that we see and the, the eternal nature. Um, and we think about what we're pouring our lives into, um, and, and are those things that we're, we're giving our effort and our energy to, are they actually bringing fulfillment? Are they actually bringing joy? Or are they just causing us to spin our wheels from rut to rut, right? And this was the story of some of our lives. Like we just spin and we get out of the rut, but then we go into the other one, right? And then we're trying to spend to get out and we go to the other one. And, and so James has offered us some really good insight. And so last week, what we examined in chapter one was this idea. We looked at temptation and desire and the nature of God in trials, right? That, that God is not the author of temptation, but that God may use trials and will use trials in our life to refine us, to mold us, to bring us more joy and give us more satisfaction in him, which seems really countercultural. It's like, have you ever asked somebody like, hey, you really wanna go through really hard stuff? I'm like, yeah, I really do. But God uses those things for his glory. And and this week, what we want to look into is the idea of hearing and acting. And what is the balance between inaction and legalism? And so that's where we want to kind of look at tonight. So if you you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to James chapter 1. And we're going we're gonna to look at verses 19 through 27 and spend our chunk of our time in 22 through 25. If you, if you didn't bring your Bible, um, it's going to be up on the screen here in a minute. But before we read, um, most of you guys that are in here that have been coming for a little while know my story, right? Like, like I grew up in the church. Uh, any church kids out there? Ooh, yeah, we're a weird bunch, man. Um, like just, we just, this is weird stuff. And so I grew up and, and there's a lot of things now that I'm older that I'm really grateful now that I wasn't so much grateful for back then. Um, but one of those things that was really confusing as a kid uh, was this idea of knowing uh, about God and actually knowing God. Anybody struggle with that? 
right? Knowing a lot about him, like be able to quote things about God and say truths about him, but actually knowing God and that affecting the way that I lived, saw the world, interacted, all those things. So there was a disconnect for me growing up. Like, like we had certain things that we did as kids and maybe some of you guys that grew up in there, um, grew up in that culture can kind of maybe, uh, you know, get on board with is like, um, it would play out like this. We had this thing called Bible Bowl, right? Yeah, right. Weird, right? Just church kid stuff. Um, and so Bible Bowl was like this huge thing in our children's ministry. And every year we do it and there was a red team and there was a blue team and they had different games and none of them were like uber fun, but we just yelled a lot. And so, man, we bring our Bible up and we had what we called a Bible sword drill, right? Got that, right? All right, so, so you bring it up to the front and they would say like, turn to First uh, Peter chapter two and you open your Bible, right? And then you, you slam it down and you're like, ah, and then you shout it or something. And, and that was the end of it, right? And all that I knew was that if I was fast enough at Bible sword drill, at the end of that week, my team would get an ice cream Sunday party. That's what I was going after right? There's no hiding God's word in my heart. I was like, I like ice cream. I can be fast at finding things in the Bible. So this was how Bible bowl played out. There was church camp, right? Yeah, church camp, which is really impactful for a lot of people, right? Um, really is. And I'm not going to dog on church camp, but there were things that happened there, right? Like, like in my experience growing up in our youth group, man, we would, we would get in the bus. We would leave at 10 o'clock at night. We would drive through the night. We would get to Colorado. We're all super stoked to be there. And then we had our sessions and right, like somebody's telling me about how bad I am and how I need Jesus. I'm like, okay, whatever. And it would build, it would build, it would build. And then Thursday night cry fest came and they're playing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, you know, they're playing, I've decided to follow Jesus like 74 times. And they're like, there's still one more. There's still one more. Right. And, and eventually you just come down and go, I've got a lot of anger. And, and you're just confessing things that you didn't even know were true. And, and like this was, so, so church camp just solidified that, right? It was like, know a lot about Jesus, respond when there's an emotional call. Um, there was, there's, purity things. And, and my whole walk though, what I found really quickly was that my whole walk turned into knowing him is knowing about him and inward, right? And so if you've been here, like, you know, the story of identity that I had in a lot of these things, being a good church kid, being a good basketball player, like all these things were identified. And, and I judged how good I was on my knowledge of things and my comparison to others, not necessarily according to scripture. So I could look around in my youth group and go, oh man, I, I got that kid beat. Well, that kid's up on stage playing the guitar, man. I don't know if I'll ever be there. And I went back and like, but I'm right here in the middle. Like, I'm an okay kid. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing crazy stuff and I'm better than these people. And, and, and that was my experience. Maybe you didn't grow up in the church. Maybe you're like, dude, I'm really glad I didn't. Maybe you didn't, but, but I would bet that you may have had some of those similar experience where, where you did something in action, but there wasn't a heart behind it. Right, like you just did it. And they, you may even forgot why you started it in the first place and you just kept on doing whatever that thing was. Maybe you didn't know why you were doing it, but, but maybe you kept doing it out of obligation. You felt guilty if you were to quit it. Or, or, or maybe you felt appearance driven, right? I've got to do these things so I keep up this facade or, or even self-preservation. And listen, 
no matter where we are or how we grew up, I think we all have done this and, and at some level convinced ourselves that by simply knowing about things and doing it, we're achieving some sort of kind of self-righteousness. Like James is gonna make the argument that that kind of action actually leads to legalism, to oppression, and further bondage. And so let's take a look here at what the Bible says, okay? Starting in verse 19. It says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of God does not produce the righteousness, or the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Here's where I want to focus. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself, goes away, and at once forgets what he's like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before the Lord is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and keep oneself unstained from the world. So, so James hits this here. Like he hits this idea of where is your approval? Where is your righteousness actually coming from? And he does this by starting in verse 24. He says, but but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. Now I'm gonna to get to the doing aspect and like the doer aspect in a minute, the action in a minute, but, but what does it mean to be a hearer only, right? Like what does that mean that, that listening alone is not good enough and, and acting with no thought or motivation? Like that's what he's saying here is that, is that we can gather here, like, like listening is good. Like I think it's good that we're gathered here tonight. It's good that we're opening up the word. It's good that this is going to compel us even into our GCs this week. It's going to compel us even into our, our studies and our grow groups with people. Like it's going to compel us. Listening is good. It's, it's good that we do this. But, but here's the danger is that we can sit in the room and hear things over and over again. And, and there be no movement towards Jesus. There be no affection stirred for him. And it's either apathy or obstinance. And what happens is we begin to deceive ourselves into thinking something that we're really not, right? Like this is my upbringing and this is my childhood is that I was able to do certain things. And so I always, the good things in my mind always rang out stronger than the bad things. Like I always found more like, well, I went to church this week. I read my Bible like for, you know, seven seconds. Um, I may have prayed at some point when I was on the loop, you know, cause it's just crazy driving Lubbock. And I would, I would build myself up according to these things, but then kind of forget all those areas where I was saying, no, 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 I got to forget you. I want my stuff and I want me. I want autonomy. Like that kind of stuff would just fade away. And what slowly began to happen was this self-righteousness in me began to build. Anybody been there? I just began to build on, on what I was knowing about and what I was hearing, but not necessarily the motivating aspects of my heart. And so I was, I was, I was able to play the game, man. I played the game really, really well. 
Like I could give you the answers. And we deceive ourselves into thinking that because we heard the word and there's no heart motivated action following it. And somehow just the hearing and knowing about is what God wants. And that's just, that's not, it's not freeing. It's actually bringing more bondage. And so look how James develops this point in verse 23. Look how he does this. He develops this here. He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So, so he uses this simple mirror analogy, right? Now, now think about your morning, okay? Like some of you spent more time in front of a mirror than others did, all right? But, but here's the beautiful thing is that we have a picture of what we look like when we walked out of the house today. And because we live in West Texas, that picture got destroyed in about the first seven seconds that you went out because the hair went everywhere and dust just accumulated on your face. And so we're, caught, so we're looking for another mirror. Like, where, where am I? What, I mean, so we look for these things and, and, and that's, that's real funny, but, but think about it spiritual. Like, think about it in spiritual terms. Like, I think there's really two components, two outcomes when we see things through the lenses of self-deception. When we've convinced ourselves is that, is that soon the image fades and we forget what we heard. Right? Jesus talks about this in the parable of the sower in Matthew. Like go, go and find that this week. He said, I mean, there are some who heard, sprouted up real quick, and then the sun came and just dried up because it didn't have deep roots. Like, like think about that. Like, as much as I'll yell in here, right? Like, you love it, okay? Like, I can't, I can't, can't do the work of the Holy Spirit. Like, at best, this thing's gonna get to the parking lot, right? Like, eventually, we're gonna forget. But it's like, Brand said something about a Bible bowl and swords and I don't, you know. Like, this stuff fades. It's gonna fade in our mind. We'll forget what we heard. And that conviction that was there will go away or we deceive ourselves into thinking that we look one way when in actuality, we're something completely different. Like when we look into this temporary self-righteous lens that bases our righteousness on knowing about God and not knowing God, and we're in danger of convincing ourselves we're something that we're not. And listen, we live in the Bible Belt. It's like 478 churches in Lubbock. And we can convince ourselves that because we come, man, that there's, I'm glad you're here. Like, don't hear me say, don't, don't come. Please come, invite your friends. But if we just hear and leave here and we don't give ourselves time to think about actually what we're hearing and what's motivating our action and let the Holy Spirit actually do his work, man, we will judge ourselves and our standing according to the things around us that are temporary. And what happens is we fail to see the hypocrisy in ourselves. Jesus has a parable in Luke 18. Look, look how he plays this thing out in Luke 18. He says, he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Isn't that interesting, right? And treated others with contempt. So what eventually happens when we take our righteousness is that we'll look at others and because they're not acting the way we are, that things aren't playing out that way, that that we have a view of ourselves that we're gonna just kind of look down on others with contempt. Look, there's two men who went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other tax collector. Now the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, 
extortioners, unjust, adulterers. And then think about this. He even pauses and goes, or even like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Like, okay, so let's, let's just break him down for a minute. Like, like, here's the Pharisee, religious leader of the day, right? Pharisees added to the law. Like, they just wanted to add so that they could look better. They kind of put the Old Testament law, they had, that's good, but here's what we need to do as well. They were respected dudes. But what happened was, is they became so inward focused that their mindset, even in approaching prayer, was wrong. Like, look at how he approached it. He was like, Man, I do this and I do this and I do this and I'm not like that guy. Like false views can come from a variety of different places. For the Pharisee, it was all the laws that he was keeping. It was all the things that he was doing. For us, those things may come from social media. Like that we may look at these little snapshots of people's lives and compare ourselves to those snapshots. It may even come from religious experiences that we've had in the past. It may come from culture. It may come from work. It may come from friends. When we're looking in the false mirror of self-reliance, what happens or, or, or comparison, things go off the rails and we can deceive ourselves. Or worse, we defraud ourselves and we miss opportunities to gain maturity, truth, and lasting freedom. And so being a hearer is that we'll just not look at the heart motivation and only what we're trying to will ourselves to. But James doesn't leave us there. Look at, look at the contrast in verse 25. Look at the contrast here. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. What do you think of when you think, when you hear the word law? The last thing that I think of when I hear law is freedom, (laughs) right? Like I hear restriction, like going 75 in a 35 is not good, people. There's a speeding law. It's restrictive. We think about this in But here's what James is gonna make the argument for. There's actually a law that sets us free and gives us proper perspective. Now, hang on just for a second. Like, stay with me because I gotta do a little background work to get here. The Old Testament law, right? If we were to go back and look in the Old Testament and we were to look at Exodus and look in Leviticus and look throughout, there's gonna be numerous laws, right? Numerous laws the Lord gave his people all to show the inability that they could not keep that and to point to something greater, someone greater, right? At this point, Sunday school answers are acceptable. That one is Jesus, right? Like it's pointing to him. It was pointing to what was to come in Jesus. And so the Old Testament law did not liberate because they had to constantly go back to this sacrificial temple system. Messed up, gotta go to the temple. Messed up, gotta go to the temple. One day a year, day of atonement, and they put all the sins on this goat. They sent it one into the you know, wilderness. They sacrificed the other one. This is this whole story I can't explain right now, but, but it didn't come. What Hebrews says is it didn't do anything for the conscience. 
Like you could come and you could give all these sacrifices, but there was no lasting forgiveness in that. It was pointing to the one who would ultimately forgive in Jesus. Like he fulfilled that law. Like this is the beauty of the gospel that is one of liberty. When we come to Jesus alongside of the word of the, the word and we have the power of the Holy Spirit, it changes everything. It doesn't just give us a makeover. Then like it changes the heart. Second Corinthians five says it gives us, it's, we're a new creation. The old is gone. Like how beautiful is that? It wasn't about cleaning myself up, but it was about God, Christ doing this work in my heart. Like the gospel is beautiful, right? And I can't do it, but he did. That for the Christian, like here's the deal, that we believe that Jesus lived that life that we couldn't. And he died the death that we deserved. He was buried and he rose again. Like, come on, man, that's exciting. Like, that's the beauty of this thing, that he ascended into heaven and that one day, like one day, he is gonna gather every tribe, tongue, nation, and we are gonna worship before the Lord. Like, that is beautiful. All the brokenness and all the messed up crap that we go through right now, one day he's gonna fix it all. And we get to see in part, and because we are liberated in Jesus from this law of self-reliance, Man, this law of doing a bunch of good stuff, we're actually freed and the good works that now come out are an overflow of what he's done. You see that? Not so that he'll love me or so that I'll be approved, but because I already am, it just begins to flow out of me, out of the love and affection that I have for Jesus. Like that's a lot better than religion, guys. Man, that's a lot better. So James is saying, listen, the aim of the biblical Christian walk is that we are changed by Christ unto something. That we aren't changed just to hear and let it go one ear and out the other, but it moves us to action. And there are pastors in this room tonight that by the grace of God have planted churches, will plant churches, have stepped out in faith going, this doesn't make sense, but we're gonna trust the Lord and we're gonna see what happens, man. In 2023, Justin Smith is gonna leave here with a handful of you guys. And he's gonna go to Austin and we're gonna open a gospel work and we're gonna see what the Lord does. Why? Because God's like holding this, you know, obligation thing that we can't live up to. No, it's not out of the overflow of what God has done. We're gonna do this. This is the beauty of it. That even if we fall, even if we stumble, like we're moved to live out the gospel. Like we just saw the Pharisee. Now, now look at the flip side of this. Bring, let's bring up the last half of this scripture because there's another character in Luke 18. He says, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Look what Jesus says. I tell you, this man 
went down to his house justified rather than the other one. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So here's this tax collector. He is the scum of the earth in the Jewish world. His job was to fund the oppression of the Jewish people by the Roman occupation that was in Judea at that time. Like he was betraying more than a traitor to his people. And Jesus says, this is the dude who recognizes where he was and what I could do. Like he recognized his need for a savior. Be be merciful to me, a sinner. And here's what Jesus did. In that moment of honesty, he comes and saves him. Again, that's the beauty. The law, this, this thing that he says in verse 25, the perfect law, the law of liberty, it's not perfect because we do it perfect. Like it's not perfect because we're perfect, but it reveals God's perfect character and nature. That it deserves our attention because it is perfect and it gives us true freedom. The law of liberty is perfect because he is perfect. The law that Christians follow is not one of good works or just trying to be a better person or at the end of the day, our scales outweighing and God going, well, you know, you had a thousand and one good works compared to that 999, I guess I'm gonna let you in. Like that's not the Christian walk. That's not biblical Christianity, but it is a life that is built on the truth that Jesus lived the life I couldn't. It leans into him that I'm saved to something. This, this law, this mirror that brings freedom, it brings true freedom. Like that law that, that seemed restrictive actually brings true freedom because complete autonomy leads to chaos, right? Like complete autonomy that has no rules or standards leads to things going bad crap crazy. Like if I let my kids do whatever they want to, they will burn my house to the ground. They thrive in the rules. And when there are boundaries there, they know how far they can go. They know where there's safety because at some level they trust dad. We thrive when we rest and reflect on the eternal truths of who Jesus is. Real blessing lies and real freedom lies not in being tied to the ways of the world that are constantly shifting. You feel freedom in that? of trying to figure out what the, what the cool cultural thing at the moment is to do. And then when you, when you do something opposite that, culture kind of shames you. Like that, that doesn't seem freeing to me. But freedom is working out the fact that, that I'm already approved by Jesus. And so listen, here's, I wanna end it with just three signs like here's three signs that, that Christ is, is doing something in your heart. Not all inclusive, but it's something that the scriptures bring up here. The first one is found in verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. The first one is that we, the sign of a doer and not a hearer is he doesn't react. And fly off the handle. Slowness marks the Christian life. When others are quick to jump on things or quick to go, that this is the one that is following Christ is measured and acts accordingly. He keeps a tight rein on what he says about himself, what she says about herself, 
and what they say in general. That they're measured. Why? Because we're not trying to obtain good works. We're trying to be ministers of the gospel. And so when we see those things that just burn us from the inside, we're measured with gospel clarity and gospel slowness. The second one is that they show mercy and love to the oppressed. Look at the end of this, verse 26. Um, Verse 27, sorry. Religion is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit widows and orphans in their affliction. Like I stand up when it says true religion, religion that is pure and undefiled. And we show mercy and love to the oppressed. Like he mentions two groups here that were completely helpless at the time, widows and orphans. They were at the mercy of society. Had no legal standing, nothing to help them. There was no safety net. The church was it. Like this was it. Like, like they would leave. This is, this is where Christians begin this work of like gospel-centered mercy, right? Is that they would leave, people would leave unwanted babies or babies with defects. They would go to the outside the city wall and they would leave those babies there. It was Christians who would come outside the city wall, gather those children up and raise them, right? Like they showed mercy and love to the oppressed. It causes us to give of ourselves. Why? Because we're a new creation. It's to serve those who are helpless. Like, I wish I had time tonight to go through one through 11 in, in chapter two, but, but here's what James expounds on. He says, hey, hey, there's this thing of partiality that, that as Christians, we, we fight injustices. We fight injustices in society. Why? Because we're kingdom-minded people. Because we see things for what they will be. When you are changed from the inside and not just a makeover and not just trying to do good works, you see people differently. And one day, man, why? Because one day every tribe, tongue, and nation is going to gather. And so we show mercy and love to the oppressed. The third one is that he remains unstained from the world. I used to think that 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 meant that he was perfect. It's not what that means. It means that we're without blemish. And how are we made that? By, by trying to do it on our own? No, it's by submission to the gospel. It's by submission. It's by confessing that he is Lord and allowing him to change everything, putting it all on the table. That we live in a world where we sin and where we fall and we are surrounded by all types of things that seek to steal our affection. We are not defined by the world's ways. The doer sees something different. Why? Because he knows where his refuge is. It is in Jesus and not in his trying to look a certain way. So I want to wrap it up. I know I said that earlier, but you know me. I want to wrap it up by reading two verses out of chapter two. Look at this. James says this in verses 12 and 13. So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. 
that because of what Christ has done, because of him making Christians new creations, we are called to act in accordance with the law of liberty, the law that has set us free from the bondage and shackles of the ways of this world and even the ways of religion. Because of the mercy that God has shown us through Christ, that when we were dead in our trespasses, he died for us and made us alive in Jesus. Because of that, we are called to live in such a way that keeps us humble, that keeps us others focused, and sees rightly who we are and keeps us from wrong perceptions. It leads to a life that is okay repenting and not hiding a life that is constantly remembering who we serve and why we serve him for what he has done for us. So you, you walk into this place in all sorts of different areas of life. There are so many stories in this room of upbringing. There are so many stories even right now of suffering and trials. Listen, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you don't identify as a follower of Jesus. And like Emily, we are uber grateful that you've come here and come with questions and doubts and all sorts of things. Like be a skeptic, man. Like, like come, we invite that. I wanna be a safe place for you. But, but what is your view of yourself based on right now? Like when you are in the dark night of your soul and everything's gone away and you are lying in your bed and you're stripped of everything, what do you base your view of yourself on? Is it on the things that you do? Is it on the way that people perceive you? And if you were to be honest, what is that really produced in you? The Lord's calling you to a life that's built on his approval and not the approval of the way of the world. Like here's the beauty of this, guys. Jesus is calling you to lay down your notions of self-reliance and comparison and embrace the gospel and be free. He's calling you to that. Don't wait, don't hear that and walk out of here, but respond to what the Holy Spirit is stirring in your affection tonight. What he's doing inside of you, and listen, if you're following Jesus today, and it may be broken, it may be really hard, and you may have these ups and downs, but you know, man, I'm following him, I'm, I'm trying, I'm serving, I'm looking. Man, what, what, where has hypocrisy gripped you? Where... Do you find yourself trying to please God by doing good works and not letting those works flow out of your affection for Jesus? Christian, when was the last time you asked yourself, what stirs my affection for Christ? Maybe that's where you need to be. Maybe that's the question you need to ask yourself tonight. Is what really stirs your affection for him? And so as we spend a little bit of time in response, man, it would be, it'd be crazy for us just to run by this. It'd be crazy for us just to leave here and just go, all right, good night. But we're gonna invite the band to come up in a second. We're gonna sing. We're gonna sing at the top of our lungs to Jesus. And by his grace, may he do something in our ministry tonight. And so let's just pray. Father, and I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for 
the men and women in this room tonight, God. And, and man, there are so many things that want to impact the way we view ourselves. And some of us are struggling just with a poor view of ourselves tonight. And some of us are struggling with a high view of ourselves. And some of us are trying to trust you and some of us, man, we don't even know what that means. But God, I pray tonight, your spirit does. Like you know, you know it's better than we know ourselves. And so Father, I pray tonight that in this moment of response that hey God, we just take a minute just to contemplate where we're at and ask really hard questions. Really linger on the hope that we have in you and ask, man, where our affections stirred. And so, God, do that in us tonight. Do that in us individually. And then, God, help us to go from this place on mission. Help us, help us not to run by it to the next thing, but let us linger. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, so just for a minute, we're just gonna spend time. The band's gonna play just for a couple minutes. And I don't know if you've got something to write on or if you're just gonna sit in, in, in just in your head. Just, just take a minute and ask some of those questions. Where are you tonight? And then they're gonna invite you to stand and we're gonna sing and, and there'll be a couple of our staff members back at the light. Run to the light, man. Go, they'd love to pray with you through some of these things where you're wrestling, but but let's let the Holy Spirit just do something tonight. And maybe that may be uncomfortable for some of you guys, but that's okay. That's okay. So so in a minute, Hank will invite you to stand and we'll sing, but let's just in a moment responding inwardly.